I have this in, in my head. My thought is that if somebody had a diagnosis of cancer, for instance, they'd feel happier to approach um, an employer with that rather than dementia. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Sally uh, Tabner on the show. Good morning to you, Sally. Hi, good morning. Uh, really good to see you. You're the CEO of Dementia Support, uh, a sort of a charity that helps those navigate the journey of dementia together. And by no surprise today, we'll be exploring dementia in the workplace uh, from two points of view. Someone living with dementia in the, as, a, as, a, as an employee, but also those who care, who are care of, of someone with dementia. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. But before we get into that, Sally, I'd like to ask, uh, what do you love about what you do? Oh, um, so my previous background was actually health and social care. I worked at the local authority for 24 years, unbelievably. I know, shock, I don't, don't look old enough, do I? <laughs> um, and um, I think coming to work in the voluntary sector has just given you so much freedom in terms of getting on and getting things done. Um, real always had um, an affection and always worked in older people's services. I had three grandparents who had all of which had different dementias. And um, so I'm really passionate about what I do and what I love on a day-to-day basis is seeing people, carers dropping off their loved ones to us for the day here at Sage Health. And then the sigh of relief as they walk out the door so that they've got a bit of space and time to go about a day for themselves so which often involves going home and sleeping actually or um it you know going through the weekly shop or whatever it's probably nothing exciting but I think that's where um that's the most enjoyable part of my role is seeing the difference that the charity can make to um people living with dementia and carers and loved ones um, on a daily basis, hugely rewarding, and I'm sure it is. And, I, and I've obviously been to Sage House, and you do an absolutely amazing job um, with you know you are a charity, and you obviously you have to find your own money and income, uh, but uh, you do it with such passion and such enthusiasm, and there's such a lot of expertise there. Um, I just want to so something about uh, dementia, and, and these these facts may be out of date. So you may have some update facts, but uh, they say there's. In the UK, there's about 850,000 people suffering uh, currently with dementia. Uh, one in 14 people over the age of 65 will have dementia. Uh, and one in, uh, in six over 80 uh, will have that uh, dementia. And so it's becoming a, a, a you know, a prevalent sort of um, mm. uh, sort of stats. And I've heard some stats, you know, by 2040 might be almost double that. Uh, but exactly. you, you can enlighten so that as, as we get older and, and, and say older, longer, as it were. Um, just, just to give people some sort of context, it'd be helpful just to, for you to explain, you know, what is dementia? Because there might be some sort of 
misinformation of what it might be or might might not be. So it'd be helpful just to explain what dementia is, Sally. Sure. So um, dementia is an umbrella term, essentially, um, for many different types of um, diseases and issues with the brain. Um, they they come about from there's there's over a hundred different types of dementia. For instance, the most commonly known one is Alzheimer's, um, and that's the most common form of dementia. But there are a lot of other different types. Um, we've heard recently sort of um, people with head injuries, so rugby players recently, and a lot of football players suffering. Well, we don't say suffering actually. To be really clear, we all talk about living with dementia, mm. but who have a diagnosis of dementia as a result of um, taking belts to the head, etc., um, in when they're playing. So it can come about through very different um, ways. Some of the common signs associated with dementia, and we do have to be really careful when we talk about this because um, they can often be confused with other conditions, sort of um, depression, anxiety, mental health issues can often um, come across as maybe a, a dementia in the first place. So it's really, I want to be really careful when I talk about this because um, we we can all think, Oh, crikey, memory loss, for example, is something, you know, how, how often do I walk into a room and think, well, what am I, what have I walked in here for? What was I doing? Kind of thing. Um, but I suppose memory loss, um, difficulty in thinking things through and planning can be, um, something that somebody might talk about experiencing, um, communication issues. Um, having difficulty maybe finding the right words, which is happening to me a little bit at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the unusual situation that I'm in. Um, maybe problems with sight and um, visual perception of things. And sometimes changing, normally changes in behaviour and mood might be something um, that people might recognise as a bit of a, a signal. Now, as I say, nobody should automatically jump to conclusions that they have a dementia if they're experiencing any of those things. Um, and often the individual wouldn't necessarily have an awareness that there were those particular changes um, going on. It's often others who will go, you realise that or whatever. So, um, but That's dementia, interesting. Yeah. It, it, does, it, it, does it, in terms of people getting first sort of diagnosed with it, it's, is it more others that have noticed it more than natural themselves? I think quite often it there might be an awareness for the individual. I think a lot of people mask and I think loved ones tend to be the people who say, oh, you know, I've noticed this might change or whatever. But that's a really difficult conversation to have, isn't it, with somebody mm that you love or you spend a lot of time with. Um, but I think it's often others who start to notice changes in behaviour and um, yeah, changes in the way that that person is compared to their normal self, whatever that mm. that might be. And obviously there's always a, an assumption that it's just for an old people's type of condition and, and obviously younger people or even, you know, what are the 40s and 50s are experiencing this and, and we know that there's been a uh, certainly a push from the government for people to try to get people back to work who are in the 50s and you know try and sort of fill the sort of talent gap which is obviously great mm -hmm. but there's a potential sort of you know 
you know, not influx, but you know, where people who have dementia might be going back to work. And and I'd like to just just to understand and from your experience, uh, you know, what are some of the common challenges faced by individuals living with dementia who wish to continue work, and and how can I guess employees, employers, and organisations support them effectively? It's really it's really challenging, isn't it? You know, and I think especially for um, younger people, I have this in, in my head. My thought is that if somebody had a diagnosis of cancer, for instance, they'd feel happier to approach um, an employer with that rather than dementia, because I think... It's about having that real um, trusting relationship and you don't necessarily need that when you have something like cancer because you think, well, actually everyone knows what that is. Mm. Um, but I think with, um, with dementia, it's kind of a lot of people who haven't necessarily experienced it do naturally think it's an older person's condition for, for a start. Um, so I think for anyone in, in the workplace, it's incredibly difficult to have that dialogue, especially, you know, I suppose not so much in an environment such as ours here, um, or a people-based organization, as it were, you know, we deal with people issues here. That's, that, that's our job. Um, but I think if you're in an environment that's very different to that, who maybe doesn't have the kind of HR, um, facilities um, aren't so well versed maybe in mm. maybe some of the different policies you know we're all about equality and diversity etc so I think just being able to have that conversation um, can be quite challenging because people have this thought in in their minds that it's not going to be it's going to be received not well basically and I think there's lots that we can do um, as employers you know there is making we need everyone to understand what dementia is um we need all the work, whole workforce you know because there's probably a bit of I mean, obviously there's a stigma to it and, and obviously this old person thing but also i think you know the biggest i'm, I'm just talking personally here the big thing is that i know is memory loss and that's mm-hmm. that, that's I don't know. That's the biggest, biggest sort of um, symptom. I don't know, but it seems to be the one I'm, I'm aware of. Yeah. Having that in a context of work, from a you know, if you're a leader of an organisation, that's quite challenging. And somebody who's losing their memory, isn't it? I mean, you know, just being, I'm just being very pragmatic here. I'm, I'm obviously going to think about that. But how do we have that conversation? But how do we sort of deal with that sort of impairment of, of memory loss? I mean, that's quite challenging in in a, in a certain context isn't it sure i think i mean the, clearly the best thing you can do is um put somebody put yourself as an individual with dementia and your employer in touch with people who can support this process you know Sage mm-hmm. house is well versed in that we've worked with um many different organizations as to um and alongside an individual who has a diagnosis to say actually these are the practical things that you can put in place there are a lot of pragmatic solutions to some of the things that um, we're talking about here and and there's equipment different equipment and technology that can be used which of course younger person um, living with dementia is probably using um, tech to a certain degree anyway Mm. so 
Um, so that's the best thing that can happen. But of course, you know, we, we have to accept that unless there's, you know, we've had occasions in the past where actually we've rolled, we've worked with employers and looked at, okay, what is approaching it from the what can this person do? Mm. Um, what skills, because everyone still has skills and expertise to offer, you know, that, that's the thing about it. And it's tapping into, okay, what are, what are those skills? What is that expertise? Can mm. the role be adjusted or are there other roles within the organization that can still, um, be fulfilled? Um, and looking at it from very much the positive perspective, which I appreciate is, in, is incredibly difficult in, um, some roles. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that approach, I, I like the almost what can you roll and what you can't do. And obviously, my question was a they can't the memory loss aspect is a is a negative in a sense. But mm-hmm. actually, what else can they do in the context of who they are, the experience of twenty, thirty years, forty years of work? Actually, that's a more positive way of seeing the opportunities and the way forward, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, and I think it has to be for, you know, that individual. And that's kind of very much the approach we try and take here to everything in, in all aspects of your life. If you have a diagnosis or even pre-diagnosis, okay, but that doesn't mean life is over or you have to have stopped doing things. What you have to do is adjust according to what you are still able to do. And if, um, if there's, oh, it's got Karen, Karen, sorry. No, no. And I think, you know, and I appreciate, you know, if, if I were to get a diagnosis now, I'm sure even, you know, my board of trustees would be going, you know, okay, how do we deal with this? Mm-hmm. Because there'll be some aspects of the role that I probably wouldn't be so good at anymore kind of thing. But it, but it is about, you know, we, I know we talk about reasonable adjustments all the time for anyone. Um, who who has a condition but I suppose from this from a dementia perspective it's a very different way of looking at it because it's okay what is still achievable and how do we help employees through that almost potential loss of ability or loss of different role I mean it's quite a challenge that isn't it yeah a, a real challenge I think it is about talking openly feeling able yeah. to have some of those conversations I think that the often the difficulty of what cannot what can I say what shouldn't I say that kind of what's almost that political correctness of what am I what am I okay Mm. um and often people say nothing at all um but I think there is about um checking in on a regular basis supporting that person linking them into other services and support that's available to them so I think as an employer one of the best things you can do is have that knowledge in your back pocket of what is available um, locally there's the same for um, carers you know making sure if from if someone's caring that you have that information of your back pocket about what what can you link those individuals into to support them and then just be open to dialogue on the subject and open to being flexible where you can be Mm. Um, and what um role can employers sort of play in raising i guess the awareness uh, and reducing the stigma around dementia in the workplace i so we run 
So here we run a dementia supporters program um, for um, all companies and basically we talk to people, um, we'll, we'll come along and talk to um, the whole workforce about dementia, what dementia is, importantly what dementia isn't. Um, we talk about services and support that's available um, and I think the more people, the, if the culture of the organisation is such that people are comfortable with the word dementia, understands what it means, then that makes people able to come forward when there is an, an issue of some kind. But I think that's the best thing. For me, that would be the best thing that an, any organisation could do is to make sure that their employees have an oversight of dementia and I think you can include that at really early stages you know okay again different for us here um but I'd be talking to um people about having it put into induction programs for instance you know quite often you'll have a bit of safeguarding training or you'll have training you know that's mandatory um I think if anyone is dealing with people um, then dementia training is essential. You know, you, you're talking about a three quarters of an hour session for people, and that if you're customer facing organisation, you know, you looking at that from your customer's perspective, mm-hmm. um, and the obviously the employees and potentially them being carers as well. So, and I guess you, it's it's almost been part of the whole, I guess diversity inclusivity type of sort of policy isn't it making sure that we are being inclusive with whether somebody has a, a disability or somebody maybe struggling caring for somebody with cancer there's various things that happen in the life of people uh, and i think there's a lot more awareness that when people come to work they've got a whole backlog of personal stuff going on in their lives and uh, we need to be a bit more mindful of that and i guess from a from a leader from a manager's point of view what are the things we should be looking out for? Uh, uh, not constantly looking for people with dementia, but what could be the sort of telltale signs that you may be sort of, be sort of nuanced that may think to explore with that with somebody or explore with somebody who can perhaps provide the, the actual appropriate support? Uh, as in, so from an employee's perspective. Well, if, if I'm a leader of a, of a business and yep. and I and I've got people that work for me what things behaviors or things i might need to spot out for in terms of thinking that somebody may have dementia or some challenges that i need to sort of approach is there things they can watch out for or is it or allow people to come forward themselves that's the best I, way of doing um that. i i think open dialogue i i suppose you know we we practice you know on you know monthly sit down chats with people and we actively ask the question of how are you doing how are things you know having that um, dialogue about home life. I think there's a thing around um, the workforce, a culture within a workforce of looking after one another um, and keeping an eye for one another. Um, and I think having people having relationships whereby they will spot if somebody is slightly struggling or something doesn't seem quite right being open to have that dialogue with the individual and say is everything okay we've it you know it's okay to sit down and go you know can we just shut up <laughs> if, if i'm but is everything okay you know we're I'm worried that you know 
you seem to be a bit of color. Something doesn't seem right. You know, anything that we can support with or help with. And that, 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 as it could be anyway, isn't it? That. Yeah, you're talking about something which I think it's that part of a culture where people are feel feel safe to share if they've got some challenges, feel safe to to bring that forward without fear they're going to get don't know lose their job or lose opportunities in the organisation, isn't it? It's that it goes back to that fundamental of how you create a culture of uh, of openness and transparency, and I think it's. Um, but is there anything particular from a from a dementia point of view, we need to think about in that context as well. I don't know. I think it is just open dialogue. Yeah. I really do. I think it's about, you know, a culture of an organisation has to be, and it does come from leadership, doesn't it? It comes from that place of actually we care. Mm. We genuinely care. You know, every leader... Every good leader I know has an emotional intelligence. You'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and can identify when things just aren't quite right. Mm. And I think the ability for anyone, you know, I, I would really, I really believe that anyone within our organisation here would feel comfortable in coming, not just about dementia, but about anything. Mm. And stepping forward and actually go, actually, I need a bit of help with, and it's that two-way thing of what can we do to support and what support might an individual need and then feeling comfortable to come forward. Mm. Just thinking of the people who might be carers of you know, their parents who've got dementia, um, what sort of things can, I guess, an employer do in that context to sort of help balance their responsibilities and support and policies and things? Um, I suppose, again, what, and what we're often finding in these situations is that it's not just about having maybe parents who are living with dementia, but also having children to care for as well. So it's almost mm. a, a double whammy of caring responsibilities quite often. Um, I suppose things like flexible working, you know, it's some of the good old fashioned kind of um, carers' rights if you like, in terms of being able to take time out to go to important appointments or to a, co mm. a company um, to do various tasks, which again is incredibly can be incredibly difficult for certain organisations, depending on what you do. Mm. Um, I guess the, the ability to, you know, change your working pattern can be really helpful when you have caring responsibilities. Um, and I suppose, you know, and I even look at it from my mother's perspective. She was caring for my grandfather, um, with dementia working full time actually within the NHS. And she felt she was very much singled out when she couldn't get to a certain meeting, for instance, because he had an appointment which she had to accompany him to. Mm. Um, I think, again, it comes back to putting people in touch with organisations and people who can support. Mm. So ensuring people know, understand, not just what their rights are, but what support there is available to access. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think 
you we can't expect all organizations to have that information at their fingertips um all of the you know details around actually you've got a right to one week unpaid carers leave every year which which actually you do but what we can do is to support with that and say how that might be best used and just just thinking wider than the organization what, what role does the i guess community have within the context of dementia um in, incredibly important again around education and understanding Hmm. Um, of people living with dementia, understanding that um, communication might be slightly different um, and the way that we communicate, but we need people to understand that I think there's a, a language thing. For, for instance, we, we use, you know, the, the word suffering came up earlier and actually we need to talk about it in a positive way, it's hmm. not to be seen as something... Um, because I think people in, have in their head what dementia is. And it's so different um, these days. It's not, yeah, it's not what people think it is. So the more education and the more understanding everyone can have of what dementia actually is, how it affects people, the fact that it affects everybody differently. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, again, this is some of the difficulty here with dementia is that everybody's experience of dementia is different. Hmm. The behavior, the communication, the different parts of the brain do different things and therefore no one's journey is ever the same as the next person. So it's about looking at the individual and, and that's the lesson actually from both the community and employer, whatever perspective you're looking hmm. at it from, is, you know, ultimately um, that is not dementia that is not dementia is not the person sally is still the person Mm. she might have a dementia but ultimately she's still sally and if there is some kind of behavior if something if if sally says the wrong thing or Mm. is inappropriate that is the dementia that is not sally Mm -hmm. and obviously dementia is is a it's a cruel condition um, from what I, I know, I've never uh, witnessed it uh, firsthand, but from what I know about it, it's, it's very cruel. How can we give people, not only who have it, but who people who care for people, hope in with it? Again, it comes back to looking at the what, what is possible. What can mm-hmm. we still do? It is about looking at things from a positive perspective. Don't get me wrong; it it is terrible. It is. You know, every carer I've ever spoken to will always say, you know, carers enter a grief process before mm-hmm. they've the person's passed away because they're losing that person in front of them. Um, but it's about being able to make sure that there is access to all sorts of activities and support, mm-hmm. making sure that... <clears throat> We're doing as much as possible to support people to still live their lives, whatever they're able to achieve. Mm. And with all what you're doing at uh, Sage House, and you, know, you do a great job and it's fantastic, if there's one thing that you'd like to achieve this year um, for you as a charity, what, what would that be? 
Oh, there's lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> so currently, Sage House is um, a one-off. It's the first of its kind in the UK. Um, it We have everything under one roof here. So it doesn't matter what part in the journey somebody's at. They can come along to Sage House. Um, we run different activities. The big thing I'd like to achieve this year, and, and we are getting there now, but you know, ultimately we need more safe houses across the UK. That, that has to be uh, the thing. So I might not achieve it this year, um, but certainly we're, we're being evaluated academically at the moment um, to really identify because actually the people's quality of life is better as a result of coming through safe mm. house and using our services and accessing them. Um, and we are stopping people having to go into residential and nursing care. Uh, we are stopping people from having to keep going to their DPs um, and knocking on those doors. Um, so I, we just need more safe houses elsewhere in the country. That's the big dream, is it? That is. That Yes, I'll call it a dream, but it will happen. So. Mm. Or vision. Vision's probably a better word, isn't vision. it? Vision. Vision's yes. a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Let's that is the vision and it will happen. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. That's so inspiring. And and I, I've loved how you've shared about um and dispelled some myths about dementia uh, on our chat as well. And and how it's important to, to play as employers need to play a role with this. It's so important for that as well. Um if people want to get in touch with you, Sally, and connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, do go online, um, dementorsupport.org.uk. You can also give us a call um, at Sage House on 01243 As I say, you know, the biggest thing you can do is get in touch with um, people who know stuff about dementia and that's us. So, yes, do get in touch um, and we'll do everything we can to support you as an organisation, you as an individual living with dementia, um, whichever aspect. Thank you for your time today, Sally. No, thank you. Good to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.